Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Duda with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Jim Whitfield, Senior Vice President and Chief Transformation Officer at Honor Health. Jim, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Laura, it's really fun to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, I know we have a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in healthcare and really some special things at Honor Health as well. But before we dive into my discussion, uh, can we tell, you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, absolutely. So I'm uh, trained as an internal medicine physician. I did additional uh, specialty training in a space called clinical informatics, the application of technology to healthcare. And I've really been in the space sort of between pure healthcare IT and clinical uh, delivery for most of my career. It's a place that I really enjoy being. Just about to finish up my, uh, my MBA, and I think a lot around how do we continue to adapt healthcare to deliver the needs of our community, certainly through technology and how that can help, but also how do we respond to changing policy requirements, financial models, and whatnot. So I get really excited around the intersection of all those things and uh, love working at Donor Health. It's one of my favorite jobs that I've ever had. Absolutely. Wow, that, that's great to hear. And definitely, you know, awesome that you're able to kind of mix that technology as well as care delivery. That's such a sweet spot in healthcare right now. So with that in mind, what opportunities do you really see for Honor Health right now? And what are the headwinds you have your eye on? So, we, you know, whenever a conversation comes up around headwinds, and I think you all do a nice job of sort of broadcasting this out, the, the tremendous financial stresses that healthcare organizations are under across the U.S. is something that we're experiencing as well. Coming out of the pandemic, not only do we have a workforce that really has done heroic things to rise to the needs of the community, but people are tired, um, and it's really taken a lot out of, uh, out of our, our care teams. And at the same time, we've seen dramatic increases in the costs for us to deliver care, whether that's labor or supplies. And that happens against a landscape of constrained revenues. So as a country, we are nearly spending 20% of our GDP on healthcare. It's getting harder and harder, I think, for health systems to receive more revenue for the same work that we've done. And I appreciate the tension that exists there. So we're really thinking about how do we continue to meet a growing amount of needs, knowing that the resources that we have are more and more constrained. That can be an overwhelming challenge, but it can also be an exciting challenge when we think about how do we rise to meet it. I can go into a little bit more details, but Laura, does that begin to give us sort of a direction of where you'd like to go? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think in particular, looking at, you know, the cost of labor, cost of supplies, and how that really affects the health system's bottom line. I think that's something that so many organizations are trying to deal with and figure out what makes the most sense for them as they navigate um, this you know, somewhat unprecedented terrain in, in thinking through, like, how, how much additional inflation will we expect in the future? How can we, you know, um, think through what our, our revenues are going to look like, especially as, I, I know, it's such a challenging um, environment for 
payers in those contract negotiations as well. And so, you know, I'd love to hear from your perspective how Honor Health is kind of meeting some of those challenges and really continuing to make sure that they are, um, you're prepared for continued success and development and uh, bringing great care to the community. Oh, that would be, that'll be fun. I mean, I, I think just thinking of that question, there's certainly three big initiatives that we think about how do we begin to, to meet those challenges. One is we continue, we've made really large investments in migrating towards more value-based care models. Um, I used to work within our clinically integrated network um, as the chief medical officer there. So I got to be really intimate with understanding how do we make this transformation. And today we have well over 200,000 lives at risk in a variety of contracts across everything from Medicare Advantage, Medicare, Medicaid, which for us in Arizona is called Access, Director, Employer, and Commercial. And well over half of those are in downside risk contracts. So I think most people would say that's, that's true, you know, working in, in value-based care. And across the country, we've, you know, we've talked about the growing movement in that direction for well over a decade. And so it's, it's something that continues to move forward. And yet we, we note that maybe the, the nation as a whole and certainly our local community hasn't made quite as much progress as we thought might have happened back in 2012, 2013, 10 years ago. Nonetheless, we're still very committed to the fact that value-based care makes a lot of sense from how do we best optimize our resources for our community. So that's a place that we're putting a, a ton of our focus. The, the challenge with making that transformation is that for the most part here in Phoenix, and I think in a lot of markets, um, that we are still largely a fee-for-service paid organization. And that model uh, in today's landscape is leading towards you know, either break-even or sometimes negative operating margins. We've seen that sort of across the country. And so you ask yourself, how do you make a transformation with the kind of investment in new clinical and technical platforms to be able to do value-based care, but doing so with almost no or maybe negative margin to make those investments? So we think a lot around the importance of making that transformation, and yet we have to drive more efficiency and improvement in our current state in order to do so. And that leads sort of to the second piece of our main strategy, which is really focusing on improvement. How do we use a rigorous improvement methodology in order to think about where we are today and where we need to be in the future to continue to meet our community needs? We can go more into that detail, but when I think of improvement, it's a combination of having the data and the analytics to measure um, our interventions, but also formal methodologies, whether it's Lean, Six Sigma, PDSA, in order to get bit better at probably our most important areas. And then the last thing that we continue to be grounded in is serving our community. We, we are a community health system. I'm, I've got my MBA from Wharton. I've, I've learned a ton from people in spaces like finance or big technology, and yet we are in a different space. We are here to serve our community and meet the needs of that community. And so we believe that staying very close to hearing what those community needs are, um, oftentimes meeting those needs may mean uh, economic consequences that are not positive for us, but we do them anyway because it's just critical part of our mission. And so 
that's that's what keeps us grounded, Laura. We think again around value-based care, the, that transformation becoming really relentlessly focused on improvement in order to provide the the fuel for that transformation to value-based care, but staying grounded in our community so that we know that we're delivering the needs of our patients and our caregivers in order to uh, fulfill our mission. Got it. I, I think that's amazing. And those three prongs that you were talking about, you know, whether it's looking at um, what the value-based care is, kind of making sure the organization has the data and analytics to drive efficiencies, and then to focusing on patient care and, and community wellness is just such an important aspect of the mission every single day. And, you know, from your perspective, and especially thinking about what transformation of healthcare will look like going forward, how do you think about growth and adding value to Honor Health? It's a great question, and it's it's one that's really there's a unique, that question is uniquely answered down here in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, our, our county, Maricopa County, is, I believe, still the fastest growing part of the United States. So we're seeing two simultaneous, maybe almost opposed trends sort of coming together. From a, from a population perspective, more and more people are moving into our, our county every day to the point where our care delivery systems are struggling to kind of keep up with demand. Access to healthcare remains something that we are really focused on. And yet, at the same time, we know that here and across the country, more and more healthcare is moving into first the outpatient center and then ultimately the home. So we're watching both of those happen at the same time. So when we think about growth, we know that even for for every, I'm going to just make up some numbers, for every numbers of procedures or episodes that move out of our inpatient setting into our outpatient settings, we know that new population growth may backfill you know, some of those inpatient uh, procedures or uh, care episodes, but likely at a higher acuity rate. So we're seeing acuity continue to rise within our, our inpatient settings as we move more and more volume into first outpatient and then ultimately home. And so we think about growth as managing all of that at the same time, and we continue to take a very sort of opportunistic uh, approach to what that growth looks like. And it's largely informed by what the community is telling us that they need. So we hear a lot around access, as I mentioned, making sure that people can get access to care in a variety of different ways. And that tends to drive a lot of what we're doing around growth. I'll end by saying another piece that we think about with growth is we've seen, I'm going to be careful about how I say this, we've seen a lot of, 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 of national aggregators you know, come into to, to physician space over the last couple of years, and, and there's been a variety of outcomes with that. And so we want to make sure that our community has access to physicians to deliver care. We believe that that's really, really important. And so when we think about growth, we also want to make sure that there are physicians and nurses who are able to deliver the care that our, that our community needs. And so we want to do that in a, in a sustainable way. Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's a great point. And, you know, in looking at that clinician and, and physician um, workforce that you have there and the pipeline that you have there, you know, is there anything that you're doing differently planning for the future, especially as you mentioned with, uh, you know, maybe non-traditional organizations or the physician aggregators coming into the marketplace and, uh, you know, um, being becoming part of the, the ecosystem as well? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, 
and we go, I go back to, you know, thinking about our mission uh, and some of our core values and with it, embedded within our mission is this idea that we want to be the partner of choice as we transform healthcare for our community. And that, that's not just a slogan. When we talk about being the partner of choice, we're declaring really loudly that we do not think we can do things alone. We are not going to be a monolithic entity within our community that's able to meet our community needs. So when we think about both uh, for physicians, nurses, advanced practice providers, other kind of allied care professionals, we see partnership as being the, the, the way that we can sort of marshal the resources needed to deliver what the community needs. And, and that's different. There are other entities that, that I have a lot of respect for that, that oftentimes feel like they're going to do things, you know, within a closed system. It's all going to be um, their employees or, or their, their infrastructure that, that delivers what the community needs. But we believe strongly that just the, the size of the problems of, of healthcare, the complexity of how healthcare is not just something that's happening in a disease process, but it's social determinants of health. It's the environments that people live in. It's, it's oftentimes the choices that we as, as, as community members make around our health, that all of that, if we're gonna really bring to bear the levers to change those things, we can't do it alone. But we can oftentimes be a convener that brings people together and sort of rallies around those causes. Got it. I love that. I think that really makes a lot of sense and definitely is a strategy that, that you know, sets yourself up for success in the future. Now, as we've talked about, you know, there are certain challenges of right now with uh, running healthcare organizations, whether it's financial or, or some of the other um, headwinds we, we mentioned, but what is one risk or investment that you still see as being incredibly valuable and worth making this year? I, I love that question. I, I think taking the risk around um, or making maybe the investment on how we get better at improvement, and I sort of signaled this earlier, you know, we, we've made a ton of investments over the last several years in a couple of things. We've invested in certainly our electronic healthcare record. We've invested in our uh, deeply in our analytics uh, and our ability to surface data for the organization. And we've really focused a lot on our decision-making. How do we get better at making the right decisions for the organization that are hopefully informed by data? And now that we've put those together, you know, I think that we have a fresh opportunity to really look at an improvement strategy, which says, let's take our biggest challenges. So for example, it might be uh, access at one hospital. It could be, um, uh, you know, physician, a physician throughput in, in another area. It could be uh, nursing burnout. I mean, there could be a lot of different things, but how do we take our biggest challenges and put our improvement resources uh, to bear on those and be rigorous with ourselves in terms of understanding how we measure improvement and be, be brave enough to say when we've tried something and it's not working, that we have to pull back and try something different. And that, that can be hard in healthcare. Nobody likes to, to fail and nobody likes to see uh, negative outcomes. But if we're not brave enough to look at how we're doing and hold ourselves accountable to improve, we're never going to find the, the, the interventions that we need to make in order to deliver more care at, a, at, a, at, a, at least the same price, if not lower. 
Got it. I think that makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's definitely um, a great way to, to put in a great point in terms of thinking about, you know, hey, this is definitely something that really makes sense and will deliver the return on investment that we're looking for in, in better um, help us realize our mission. So I think before we wrap up our conversation, I just have one more question for you. When you think about yourself and in your teams that you work with most closely to honor health, how do you think about growth? What are some of the best opportunities for the next two, three years down the line? That's a, that's a really good question. And again, I think thinking about Maricopa County, um, and we have so many people moving here, there is, there's an opportunity for, for us to be more smart about growth than I think we've ever been before. And what that means is there's going to be continued need for us to, there are going to be more and more people every month uh, living here. But rather than being at a place of where different members of the healthcare ecosystem are worried about making sure that they remain viable through any sort of transformation, we're in a place where almost everyone is focused on how do we just keep up. And that might provide an opportunity for us to think in some novel ways around meeting a growing population's needs without just using the same models that we've always used before. So as a country, we've been working to try to solve some of the problems of increasing costs of healthcare for almost 50 years now. I mean, this has been a sort of a relentless effort that we've made. And the reality is we haven't been super successful as a country, and yet more than ever, we have to find that solution. So one of the things I think we are spending a lot of time at on our health thinking about is how do we keep experimenting? How do we keep trying new things ideally at minimum to serve our community, but we'd love it if we could figure something out that benefits more than just our community, can, can benefit our state or our whole country to be able to find a way to how do we collectively you know, deliver more healthcare value to our patients at you know, a lower cost. And that is a very, very difficult thing to do. It's been challenging and yet it's, it's really the challenge of, uh, of my generation to figure out how to meet it. Absolutely. And certainly easier said than done. And I think, too, as you mentioned, you know, being able to figure that out now will just make um, the healthcare system into and shape it into the, the value-based care that, you know, we see as being so, so essential for a sustainable uh, healthcare delivery system in the U.S. Oh, yeah, Lord. No, it'll be uh, like, hopefully, um, what I would love is, I don't know, to follow up, uh, follow up with you and two or three years, and uh, I'd be super excited if we you know, had, had found something. I do think it's important for all of us to be thinking this way. Our, our country needs us to, and uh, it's really what our, like, for those of us that have chosen to go into healthcare, it's what our calling demands us to do. So I look forward to us having a follow-up session and seeing what kind of progress we're making. Absolutely. Jim, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been really such an inspiring discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you so much. Great to be here.